I want to talk to you this morning about the mightiness of God. In this passage of Scripture, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Now, he's a lot of things. But here the Spirit said, I want you to see that he is the Mighty God. The mighty God. But will God indeed dwell with men on earth? Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built? The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old, and you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O oh Lord. The floods have lifted up. Now, as you read this, this is a voice. Okay? This is like a megaphone. <laughs> They're making a sound. They have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters than the mighty waves of the sea. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Hmm. It is my hope that this message today will liven your soul. That'll just rejuvenate your faith. That it will impress a vision upon who God is and how mighty he really is. Would you say that the mightiness of God drives your life? Or has his mightiness faded into the background? And just kind of only once in a while motivates you. There's a prophet in the Old Testament, his name is Elijah, which you know, and he was experiencing a mighty hand of God on Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal were there. And you are familiar with the story and how that, you know, I mean, God just, you know. He leaves them awestruck. But then, oh, Jezebel sends a threatening note to him. I'm going to have your head. In the mightiness of God fades from Elijah. 
he retreats. He runs. Just from a threat. Yes. A mightiness that motivates us and inspires us. But it's not just a once in a while surfacing thing. The Bible says that every time we wake up in the morning, when we are beginning to, to walk through the day, God is speaking to us about his mightiness. Panoramic view. Imagine this earth that we're on is hanging in space. That's right, church, it's hanging in space. In Job it says, God, can you tell me to what I have tied this thing to? <laughs> ah. When's the last time than when you enjoyed the scenery of God. When you enjoyed the consistency of the sun coming up. The stars that come out at night. The great rivers. The orbits of God. Every morning is a display of the mightiness of God. It is so relevant that the passage of Scripture that we read tells us that it doesn't make any difference where on earth we are. The voice of creation is telling us something. In fact, as Romans said there, they're without excuse. Psalms 119 says, the, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language for their voice is not heard. I'm not suggesting worshiping creation, but I am suggesting worshiping the Creator. It's a voice, their speech. Their speech, their line has gone out through the earth and their word to the end of the world. Oh, yes. I love that. Every day, you and I wake up. If we'll take notice. But when things are so common and regular, we frequently miss the miracle of it. Yeah. Frequently miss the miracle of it. We 
know God is Father. We know him as shepherd. You know, Savior. But how many of us really know him as God Almighty? El Shaddai. The one in whom nothing is impossible. When you define mighty, it's called a champion or a hero. He's the one that's left standing after a conflict is over. Great in power, skill and strength. The God who has showed himself not only through creation and his mightiness, but also in various ways. Creation, battles, deeds, wisdom, love, mercy, and judgment. Only Christ has defeated the enemies. All of his power must have a purpose. Must have a purpose. Obviously, the ultimate purpose is to recognize that there is a God. That there is a creator God. And we know that that's part of our, part of our, our you know, constitution. But... Maybe going back to the drawing board and taking another look at the mightiness of, of God. There's a story. This story is a true story. And this interview happened on Merv Griffin Show. Merv Griffin happened to have a bodybuilder on there. And you've probably seen those. And, you know, if you've watched any TV. But as this bodybuilder got up there and he flexed his muscles and he showed the, the bulging, you know, physique that he had and... And, you know, just kind of, he, he was just grandstanding his, his physique and his muscles. Merv Griffin asked him, now, what do you do? Or what do you use all that muscle for? And the guy just got up and redid his, you know, poses. Merv Griffin said, well, what do you do with all the, what do you use all that muscle for? Same thing, over and over. And so the guy was just dumbfounded. He couldn't, he couldn't, you know, say, you know, what has he got all those muscles for? But God always has muscle. God has muscle. Power for purpose. Always with purpose. God doesn't just flex his muscle to show, you know, that the universe how strong he is. He does not grandstand. But he's got some real purpose when he, you know, flexes or uses his muscle. And it's all centered on doing his will and bringing glory. Absolutely. The world in power associates that with brute force and which invariably has a neg negative connotation to overpower someone for personal gain. But God always uses his power for 
good. There are five G's that describe, you know, the greatness of God. God's greatness, God's goodness, God's glory, God's guarantee, and God's grace. That's what he uses his power for. Think about it. It's the kind of power that refuses to bully or to do harm. A power that treats us with kindness. A power whose, whose depth of his power is connected to a deep love. The goodness of God, the glory of God. Let's look at miracles. Miracles, in essence, are a display of His mercy and His compassion. Not just his power, but his mercy and his compassion. Miracles, you know what I mean, are giving us a, a, a glimpse or a momentary look at what is really natural. We call it supernatural. And in our world, natural world, it is. But in God's world, it's natural. So we get a look at the, the world and how God sees it and how it's, supposed to, how it's supposed to be. The miracles that we have seen, the miracles that we read about, also, you know, introduce us to God's kingdom. What do you mean by God's kingdom? What is God's kingdom like? Well, the whole idea of God's power is loosening us from another power. He has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the Kingdom of his son. It was Jesus himself that said, when he cast out the demons, he said, if I cast out demons with the little finger of God, no doubt the kingdom of God has come down unto you. The book of Revelations goes ahead and gives us a picture of the future. It's not here yet, but we get to pure about the future. When God says, I'm going to make everything new. And he says, I want you to write these because they're true and they're faithful. So it's a, it's a restoration or a glimpse of God's mightiness. God is mighty. Remember when God delivered Egypt, or excuse me, delivered Israel out of Egypt and guided them through the wilderness and he fed them with angels' food. See, when God uses his power on our behalf, it's to accomplish his will. He's very benevolent, but ultimately he wants us to do his will. 
we got to be doing the will of God. We want to see the power of God. We want to experience the mightiness of God. See, we can't order, you know, his power on our behalf just like we would order a sandwich at a cafe. Because he always uses his power for good. Yeah. It's so important that we realize that we are dependent upon God's power. We're dependent upon. Jesus said in John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine and ye are the branches, for without me you can do nothing. We can't do anything of of, uh, spiritual and eternal value aside from Jesus. It's so important that we don't lose sight of God's power. It's important to our faith. It's important to the the success of our mission. Containing the Holy Spirit is a is a dynamic power of God. Or maybe we've lost the goal of his power. What can you do for me? I want to do everything for you. Yes, he does. It's, 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 it's not that. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I'm not willing that any should perish, but all men should come to repentance into knowledge of the truth. There's a story about a man and who was they were halfway across the Atlantic when the captain got on the loudspeaker and said, we've lost one of our engines. We'll still reach land with three engines, but we will arrive an hour late. Then he announced the loss of engine number two and number three. And he proceeded to tell them that the loss of these engines would delay their arrival by three hours. There's a passenger on board and says, for Pete's sake, he shouted, if we lose another engine, we'll be up here all night. (laughs) We can't lose our engine, folks. We can't lose our engine. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In my name, you shall cast out demons. You shall tread upon serpents. We hear a lot of names today, folks. But there's only one name. that releases the power of God. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. It's his name.
He's not just a prophet. He's not just the shepherd of the flock. He is not just a mighty God. He is all mighty God. All mighty God. In Isaiah, that book gives us a picture. I think a picture that's not unlike today. Judah was in a collapse morally, politically, spiritually, and nationally. But right in the midst of that, the first thing that God does is He reveals and gets Isaiah to see that God is still on the throne. Remember, it was Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Yes. Even in that collapse, God was at work in history. Bringing about his perfect will. I didn't hear one amen. <laughs> That's okay. He made a proclamation and he said, There I will rescue a remnant and bring them back from captivity, and I will bring them from the brink of defeat. Moses said, God, who should I tell? Pharaoh, who sits on the throne of Egypt, who was in that hour and that day the most powerful country. You just tell him that I am sent him. I am he who was, I am he who is, and I am he who is to come. Everything, everyone has a beginning and has an end. But God has no beginning and no end. God says, I'm going to snatch them into victory. I'm going to snatch them from defeat. And did you know that that's by and large the theme of the whole Bible? God's mission has an enemy who works night and day to thwart the mission and the purpose of God. But God always comes through for his purpose, for his will.
He might not give you a new home here, but he has made a new home for you in heaven. Amen. You may labor with a body that from time to time is shackled and weak, but it is going to be set free. when this mortal puts on immortality. God has shown himself that he is mighty over events. The Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, they were brought forth Daniel ended up in the lion's den and he was lifted up out of there and not only out of there but into a position. Haman's gallows. God went ahead and redeemed Mordecai. See, God is a God of history. And working in the events, even when we cannot see it or understand it. God is the champion of history. He is the almighty God. The almighty God. He is a God of history. Or excuse me, let's say it this way. He was the God of history. He is the God of history. And will be the God in the history to come. Hallelujah. Thy throne, O Lord, is forever. <laughs> I don't think that when God says, don't fear, don't worry, don't be anxious, that he's trying to put a band-aid on us. I think he's trying to get us to trust in his mightiness. Because it takes that. It takes more than just believing in God. We must believe in his mightiness. And to believe in his mightiness means that you trust him. See, the devil and, and, and all of his fallen angels, they believe in God, but they don't trust him. They don't trust him. And that's why the psalmist was so, so, you know, adamant over and over and saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Don't try to figure everything out. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your, your path. Think about it. After the resurrection, the authorities tried to stop the advance of the gospel. They used armies. They used prisons. They used torture chambers. They used gallows. You know what I mean? They used the political scene. They threw Christians into dens of lions set them in squares, turned lions loose on them, set them on fire. <clears throat> but God kept marching. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is looking for those who will march with him. 
who believe in his cause, who believe in his mightiness. He's a God that's mighty over the events. He's a God who's mighty over enemies. They sought to kill Jesus. He escaped every time. The fact that the grave could not hold him. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it, it's, it's like the grandstand. The gold medal. If death can't do it, then nothing can do it. It can't stop the purpose of God. It can't stop the will of God. He's mighty over evil. One of our favorite Christian scriptures is, of course, Romans chapter 8. And how God takes and turns evil into good. God says, I want you to consider and give thought to creation. I want you to give thought to it. All the orbits that run in perfect timing. Asked my musicians to come this morning. But you and I both know that the cross and the resurrection is the ultimate display of God's mightiness. And so much has taken place in the work and the act of the cross and the resurrection. How that cross is a, just unlocks not only our hearts and connects us with our Creator, but makes it possible for us to live by the power of God. I want to read to you this morning a rendition of just piecing together various scriptures, phrases, and thoughts that talks about God's mighty camp. So we can get a picture that everything is at God's disposal. Absolutely everything. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You know, the, the, uh, the Hebrew children, when they went into that fiery furnace, they didn't go in kicking and screaming. They just said, our God is able. He'll do what's right. He'll do what's best. It's really the essence of it. I'll do what's right, and I'll do what's best. Now, me and God, we disagree sometimes on how he should do things. 
I really like it when he does it my way. I do. But according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, it says it doesn't make any difference how he does it. Victory is always the end of the matter. Consider my soul, the mightiness of the Lord, who is your glory and defense. He is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. All the forces of heaven are at his command. Legions wait at his door. The cherubim, the seraphim, we read it, waters and holy ones, principalities and powers are all attentive to his will. If our eyes were not blinded by the dust of sin, we should see the horses of, chair, of fire and chariots of fire round about the Lord's servants. The powers of nature are all subject to the absolute control of the Creator. That stormy wind and the tempest, the lightning and the rain, the snow and the hail, and that's all in Scripture, by the way. The soft dews and the cheering sunshine come and go at His decree. The bands of Orion should be in, in, in Job. He looses. He binds the sweet influence of Pallades, which is the constellation. Woo. I mean, we're, we're just, science has been discovering a lot, but it's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg, as we say, in, in re regard to the constellations. earth, the sea, and air. Places under the earth are at the barracks, are the barracks for Jehovah's great army. Space is his camping ground. Light is his banner. Flame is his sword. When he goes forth to war, listen now. When he goes forth to war, famines ravage the land. Pestilence smites the nations. Hurricanes sweep the seas. Tornadoes shake the mountains. An earthquake makes the solid world to for creatures they're all his domain from the great fish that swallowed the prophet down to all the flies that plagued in the history they're all his servants the caterpillars the worms they're just squadrons of his great His camp is very great. Stand with me today. What a mighty God.
every one of them has a name. He measures the waters in the hollow of his hand. some fairy tale. He measures the heavens with a span. How many know what a span is? Calculate the dust of the earth in a measure. The mountains in scales, the hills in balances. He stretches out the heaven like somebody's setting up a tent. Or the lady of the house is hanging a curtain to cover a window. That's Isaiah, chapter 40. And he asked the question, is anything too hard for me? ask him, is anything too hard? Nothing's too hard. We must not resign ourselves.